Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, we're recapping the Oscars. A pop culture mashup that's hitting it big. And are we down for the three count with a Hulk Hogan biopic? What you gonna do when we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great programs as we cover the realm of pop culture twice a week and so much more on our Pop Culture Cosmos channels and all the great stations that air our radio show. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He is the Hulkamaniac of Humanica Media. you got to check it out today on HumanicaMedia.com, Humanica Media on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and so much more. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. Are you ready to say your prayers and take your vitamins? In that order? Does it matter what order it happens in? Well, well you could take your prayers and say your vitamins, but that really wouldn't have the same effect. Mm, taking my prayers, is that like swallowing my pride? I'm not going to go there. <laughs> but it is going to be another great pop culture cosmos we have for you today. We've got our good friends from Game Source. Tony and Jamie Monroy. Oh my gosh. Stereo Monroy is on the way for you. They're going to talk about a lot of stuff going on in the video game scene, including their thoughts on the latest rumor for the Xbox One, how a new Xbox One is coming along the way. That's not anything new, but what may come along with it as a opening title for the new console certainly is. So we're going to talk about that. We're also going to be talking about the latest and greatest on what's going on in the Battle Royale genre and their thoughts on Apex Legends, PUBG, and of course, the leader at this point in time, Fortnite. But we're also going to be talking about a lot of other great things. Like I said, the Hulk Hogan biopic has been announced. It is going to be in production here pretty soon with Chris Hemsworth in the lead role of Hulk Hogan. I've got a lot of things I'd like to say about this and my thoughts on it. We'll be talking about that on the back end of the show. Plus, we're also going to be talking about a lot of great things going on when it comes to Stranger Things and Dungeons and & Dragons. How popular was it from the television series? Well, we'll tell you how popular it was coming up here in a little bit. But first, my friend, we're going to be talking a little bit about the Oscars. Our predictions went awry, and Green Book did win for Best Picture it won out. I think a lot of people were like on the fence on why Green Book won. A lot of people were 
were not exactly thrilled with Green Book winning because they're not. Uh, I, I guess the perception is it is not exactly the movie. I think that it intends itself to be from a lot of different standards, from a social and cultural standard. Your thoughts on Green Book winning the Best Picture, and what does that say about Hollywood at its current state? Wait, real quick. The Oscars, that's that political lecture that disguises itself as an award show, right? Is that the one? Something like that, yes. (laughs) My brother saw Green Book, and he was actually quite impressed with it, and he's kind of a movie snob. It seems like it's a movie that tries to break barriers, you know, in, in, in a more constructive way than a lot of these. You know, it doesn't it paints people trying to overcome racism and doesn't actually like outline racism as, as it, racism is not a protagonist in the film. Like it, it seems like it's something that tries to really break the barriers down. And I think that's good. Honestly, it, it's because I was telling Brian Kane this. I'm like, it's not so much that the social themes in the movies that bother me a lot of the times it's the way in which they're delivered and it sounds like green book delivers it pretty well kind of in the same manner that black Klansman does and it is something that is on my watch list i just haven't gone around to seeing it but what are your thoughts on it i'm not sure i'm actually thrilled with green book winning because i thought there were better pictures out there amongst what you thought black Klansman you thought was a really good film I thought maybe Black Panther could have been picked above it. Although Black Panther, there was a lot of forces for it, and there was a lot of forces against it. I know you were, it wasn't actually on high on your list. It was actually the highest movie on my list when it comes to the top 10 from last year. Although several of the movies in my top 10 were not even nominated, which to me is quite disappointing that there was not enough vision in actually going ahead and, and actually getting some of those movies in there, like Avengers Infinity War, Crazy Rich Asians, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Those type of films should have been nominated at least for the Best Picture category and were not. And those I, I take issue with more than Green Book winning. Be that as it may, Green Book, I think because of the fact that of who wrote it, I think that's and, and how it was developed as, you know, instead of the actual story itself, I think it wasn't seen as welcome and embraced in the similar fashion as say Black Panther or Black Klansman, whereas they see Green Book, I guess the perception with Green Book is that it is not a film that entirely represents factually or faithfully what the division of that era was all about. Okay, so your issue with it is that a white guy wrote it? I'm not saying that's my issue with it. I'm just saying, for me, it's just the issue. I just don't think it's a good enough movie Although Mahersha Ali, congratulations to him. He won Best Supporting Actor for his role in Green Book. I just don't think it's a good enough movie compared to the others that were nominated outside of Bohemian Rhapsody because Bohemian Rhapsody, I'm in the majority of people who thought, well, actually majority of people outside the voting contingent with the Oscars, that it is probably one of the worst Best Picture nominees in quite some time. But I just think it wasn't a very good movie compared to some others. To me, I thought Roma and Black Panther were better representatives of what a best picture should be from the list that was gathered there. I am going to say in regards to your question that a white writer writing about this type of subject, I think, took a lot of people in the wrong fashion, the wrong way. And that's why I think a lot of people are upset that Green Book won. 
You know, it's it's weird, too, because like I think about that type of thing. And that's also a reason like a movie like Cool Runnings can't get made today, too. Right. Because it represents the white man as a savior type thing. And it's I don't know. So my whole thing is like, I don't think that a movie should be the quality of a movie should be based on the diversity behind it. You know, I think that um black people should always have been in movies women should always have been protagonists in films like it shouldn't be oh my gosh look it's it's an all african-american cast or oh my gosh look it's a woman protagonist they should have always been there to begin with and now that that's created this standard now where good movies have to have so much diversity behind them they should have always been represented in it in the first place and because of that that's created such a big divide among film critics because they're you know, you're going to have people who go, Star Wars is a good example. Oh, we got the SJW people going crazy here. You know, that that whole debate. And it's, I don't know. I feel like a film should be good based on writing, editing, the message it, it portrays, the philosophies behind it. There are so many things that make a good movie, but we hinge so much on diversity when diversity should just be a normal thing. And you're right. It should have always been a thing. It. Hopefully we can get to the point where it's not, uh, there doesn't have to be a label as the first this, as the most important that, must, that it's just a movie that people can go and enjoy or a TV show or whatever. I, they're just, there's still a lot of landmarks that we have to go ahead and cross before it gets to that point. But I welcome the point where people are just looking at the actors and, and people involved with the film or people involved with the project and just saying, you know what? That's good work, no matter who made it. And I know there's a lot of controversy with Green Book winning, and it only has perpetuated even more so in the hours since its win. So, you know, we want to hear from you. Do you think Green Book deserved to win? I mean, let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. We'd love to hear your feedback or our social media outlets on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just let us know. We'd love to hear your thoughts on whether Green Book actually deserved to win the best picture of the year. I know there were some other great winners as well that a lot of people were talking about. Rami Malek, he won, which was not unexpected when it comes to his portrayal of Freddie Mercury and Bohemian Rhapsody. I I just didn't find it that interesting of, of a film overall, but his performance was good enough to go ahead and garner that type of acclaim. And obviously he had a lot of momentum going in with the big success of the movie. And there's also as well, one of the big upsets with Olivia Coleman in The Favorite, beating The Favorite in Glenn Close. That was something I think a lot of people were very surprised about, even though The Favorite was one of the most well-loved movies out of the best picture list. So that was kind of a surprise. No surprise at all was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse being the best animated feature film. That movie was really, really good, and I highly recommend it out there. In fact, it was one of my top movies of the year last year. Best Director, I was right again when it comes to Alfonso Cuaron from Roma. That movie, stylistically and visually, and he also won, I believe, for Best Cinematography as well. So that movie, from that standpoint, was really, really good. And that's what, for me, made the movie. Best Supporting Actress was Regina King, If Beale Street Could Talk. Like I said earlier, Maharshala Ali won for Green Book for Best Supporting Actor. There were some surprises, but overall, I think it went okay as far as Oscars are concerned. So we're looking forward to next year and a lot of great performances there. If you have thoughts, once again, on your thoughts on the Oscars, please share it with us, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. 
You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game? Then check out Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. My friend, it's time for me to eat some crow. I tried to delay it as much as I could, but you know what? With the biggest opening so far of the year, it is, well, people like training their dragon because How to Train Your Dragon number three did earn the best opening so far here at the box office with a $55.5 million take domestically, which until Captain Marvel comes out, your thoughts on how to train your dragon three. It's actually, like I said, almost $60 million here domestically. And now it's the largest grossing movie worldwide at just under $300 million. Dude, I'm telling you, man, people got a soft spot for how to train your dragon. It filled that void left by Shrek. And I don't know, like you, you obviously have a grudge match to settle with how, how to train your dragon, but Jay Baruchel as the lead characters does not do it for me, man. But it's he's obviously performed well. Him and Gerard Butler in the last two, like it, they have performed so well that it merited making a third one, and it merited the money that it's made this weekend. So obviously, it it has an audience, and the soundtrack is great. The story's very emotional, and Hiccup has a beard in this one. Like it just looks like a good movie. I feel like you cannot go wrong with this movie and the fact that they're they're saying hey we had this starting point and now we have the stopping point how to train your dragon is the last one in the trilogy maybe they'll make more maybe they won't but that's a lot more than a lot of other animated films can say right because they set out with a starting point for a story and now they're ending it a lot of animated films just kind of wing it they go well if it does well we'll make another one there was always an initial plan with how to train your dragon and i give them props for that because they are rounding out their story. And a lot of kids don't get that ever. They just kept making more Toy Story films or they, um, you know, Frozen is a good example. Aladdin, how many sequels to Aladdin did we get? Even like the, the, the King of Thieves one was not originally intended to be the last one, you know? So How to Train Your Dragon is doing something that I have barely ever seen done before. And I appreciate that. And I am going to pay money to see this movie eventually. Well, I hear you when it comes to Toy Story, because as you even stated before, when it comes to Toy Story, when did you see the original Toy Story? How old were you? I was I was six, I want to say. There you go. That case in point, because of the fact that you you were six then and now somewhere along the way, so many years later, they were coming around to doing a Toy Story four. So there's a little bit of a disconnect where they're assuming that you're now going to take your kids adults your age that saw the movie when they were kids are going to go ahead and do the same thing. And it wasn't a consistent time over time over time. There's so many years gap between Toy Story three and Toy Story four. And there was even a little bit of a gap between Toy Story two and three. So 
Uh, can I, can I throw it, a question out at you real quick? Yeah, I, I mean, we'll discuss that more as Toy Story 4 pops up. But yeah, go ahead with your question, my so, friend. And this is a real, real quick side note. Do you think that as a, if you were a kid, right? Like, okay, your your daughters, for example, say they in a big animated film came out, right? And there's a chance that the studio who that made it is going to finish the story. Like, say they're like, hey, we have three movies planned, and they're going to finish the story while your girls are still young and care about it. Would they rather have that, or would they rather have something like Toy Story that spans one generations, generation literally generation? Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm just curious because I don't have a preference on this. I love complete stories, so I'm just asking from the perspective of a father of two, or how many? You have two daughters, right? Yeah, two daughters. Yes, two daughters. Now and, that's there's somebody I didn't know. My son's older in New Mexico, so he's he's quite a bit older. So, but yeah, right. I, I don't know if I have any other. <laughs> no, no, I I mean like of the age where they still like this type. Yeah, please of don't sue me. You know, as far as in child court, you know, for custody on it. <laughs> Uh, for all my pop culture cosmos earnings it's yeah so much yeah <laughs> um but okay so from that perspective what do you think your daughters would prefer well i think they would prefer something that they can see over the course of their childhood so that they retain those fond memories of it i think there's a disassociation that i know you will have if you want to go ahead and try and experience toy story 4 because it's it's hard to remember that point in time so many years ago when you first saw it at the age of six. And I agree with you. And that's what I was trying to lead into is that it's best to complete these things within a certain finite period of time so that people have that experience and move on creatively with something else, not try to continuously or after so many years, hey, we've got a great idea to go after 10 years, 15 years to come back and go back into the well again. It just doesn't make as good a sense as if you were to go ahead and do it back to back to back and people have that fond memory of, of what they were. And, and if it's just brought back as a maybe 25th anniversary Blu-ray or something special added to it as far as a documentary behind the scenes or thrown at it from time to time, repackaging or whatnot, you could still make it special time in and time out over the course and show it to new generations over and over if you know how to market properly. You don't necessarily have to go back 20 years later and go ahead and, and bring a new one. But again, we're going to probably delve into this question more as Toy Story 4 hits later this year. So I do. I really want to hear your thoughts on it because I was already an adult when it came to the original Toy Story that came out. I've seen things when it comes to Toy Story 1, 2, 3, and 4 when it comes up. You are going to be experiencing it in a whole different fashion. So when it comes to Toy Story 4, I really am curious as it gets closer to hearing your thoughts and how it's going to be affecting you and how you're going to be perceiving it going forward. But again, that is for down the road. Right now it is How to Train Your Dragon 3. It did very well. And I'm eating some crow right now when it comes to the box office is concerned. And it did very well, $55 million at the box office domestically. It is now closing in on $300 million worldwide. It looks like a great way to close out the trilogy, so to speak, on, on a high note. And you know what? You're right. And, and Alita, Alita Battle Angel, it has now done over $250 million worldwide. It may be well on its way to the $500 million mark that you want it to get to. And I think it hopefully will as well. I know you just brought out something for Topic Apocalypse 4 that we'll talk about later in the show. But yeah, it's, it's right now a good time to go ahead and see Alita Battle Angel, and How to Train Your Dragon 3, because in two weeks, 
the real movie season, in my opinion, is going to begin with Captain Marvel, and the uh, you know like all the box office bets are are going to be off and 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 running at that point in time when it comes to Captain Marvel and and so much more. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to a lot of good stuff. But right now, How to Train Your Dragon Three is killing it at the box office and doing a great job and proving you right. And I'm I'm so happy for you on that. Is there going to be a sound effect of, of crows being eaten in post? Is that the that's the plan, right? We discussed this during our pre-production meeting, if I remember correctly. So you guys know that Gerald does a lot of sound effects in post. So just hold him to it. If he doesn't do it, you can send him angry emails at popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get crows, but we'll see what we can do. Maybe vultures, condors. Maybe like bird noises, but then like nom, 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 nom sound effects, you know? Oh, my gosh. Anyways, <laughs> we're going to see what we can do. You always ask the impossible for me in post. I believe in you. You did Double Dragon. I believe in you. <laughs> I just saw that on someone's list of one of the worst video game adaptations and also one of the worst special effects movies of all time. And I'm not going to say I actually disagree with either of those options but anyways moving on when it comes to what's going on before we head to the break i want to also note that the ceo of hasbro recently at the toy fair in new york which i know a lot of people laugh at and think it's funny whatnot but it is the premier toy show in america each and every year it is very important to what people perceive as far as toys coming up as far as investors retailers what's coming up for the toy scene, which is now an entirely different landscape than before because of the fall of Toys R Us. Hopefully the rumors of them coming back in some small fashion will come to fruition, but we'll have to wait and see. But for right now, the CEO of Hasbro was so excited to announce that the Dungeons & Dragons beginning set from your old favorite standby, Dungeons & Dragons, with the Stranger Things theme, from Netflix that has done such a great job. That series has done so outstanding with viewers now that it's coming to Stranger Things Season 3. Your thoughts on Stranger Things, Dungeons & Dragons, how well it's performed? Because he recently announced, the CEO of Amazon, that it actually appeared at number one for toys on Amazon and people couldn't get enough of it. A great way to get back into D&D and a great way to keep on going with the momentum for Stranger Things. You know what? First of all, I feel like I think we need to remove the stigma that Dungeons and Dragons has. Okay, it is cool to be a nerd. All right, for all you all you people listening out there, don't ever let anyone take your nerdness away. All right. Well, I'm, I'm, is... I'm, I'm just going to say something. For me, it's a little harder to say a nerd or geek because remember, I lived through a time where people were bullied extensively and thought of in negative fashion, both in in the form of medium. And also in real life, that a nerd or geek, as far as being labeled as such, was a negative connotation. So getting off of that to the point where I've told you before, Salvador Villa from Mario Party Wars freely calls himself that, freely talks about that. And it is, to me, it's it's awesome that that's the case, but it's just a little bit harder for me to, to just detach myself and say, you know what, it's really cool to say that, even though I love so many of these pop culture things. No, I mean, you have a good point because even people who go to like Target or Kohl's or or Hot Topic buy anime t-shirts or Stranger Things t-shirts, but they still call 
they still kind of bully people, you know, they wear the the pop culture stuff, but they still make fun of you if you're too into pop culture. So there's definitely a double standard going on. But when it comes to Dungeons and Dragons, dude, it breaks my heart because it is such a fun game. If you sit around, you play with your friends, like you make up stories, you have a good time. Like if you're, you know, if you're of of the drinking age, you crack open a few beers and, and dive into the fantasy realms with your buddies. The possibilities are endless in this game. But everyone looks at it and they go oh that sounds so stupid because it has that negative connotation attached to it and that drives me nuts D D is probably one of the most fun times i've ever had playing that with my friends and i am stoked to hear and i love that stranger things has brought that back to life you know i i love that they have rekindled a an interest in that type of thing and i, I i'm curious what the specifics are how the character builds work I don't know, do you like I I wish that cuz D&D is like the ultimate exercise of the imagination and it does have a big crowd but the lack of people wanting to give it a shot just goes to prove that not a lot of people have imagination anymore. Yeah, cuz if you go right now to Amazon and you see it and there's a lot of things that are going on for it. It is based off of the Netflix original series of yeah, and it just goes into The Hunt for Thistle Hydra. It, and it does a lot of that type of, of imagery and, and stuff that they talked about so much within the realm of Dungeons and Dragons, where you do play as the Stranger Things characters, but you do go against the demons and the supernatural creatures that you saw within not only what they were talking about within the game, but the actual series as well. So it's like a weird mashup of Dungeons and Dragons and Stranger Things. So like they have the medieval wizards stuff but they also have the demi gorgon stuff and all that is that what, what i'm getting from this yes yes of course add-on sets that are on the way that will get you even more into the realm of both the stranger things world and the dungeons and dragons environment and how to play it and how to go along with it as far as from either a dungeon master or a player standpoint and i think it's a great way to spice up dungeons and dragons which has seen its own rebirth in the past few years, as far as something that has become a popular thing to stream, a popular thing to play. I want to get it. I'm I'm actually super interested in this right now. So thank you for pointing that out to me. Do you have any interest in picking it up and trying it out? Well, I just don't have enough people around me to go ahead and give right. that a shot, you know. Right. But I tell you what, Stranger Things, Dungeons & Dragons, which recreates a lot of what went on in Season 1 and now going forward, a lot of what made it exciting. It's been like what was said within a recent interview by the CEO of Hasbro saying that it is the number one selling toy right now currently on Amazon, which is a great sign for not only people that love pop culture but love Dungeons & Dragons. It's really something that a lot of people now want to get back into which was already going in a positive direction. And for me, it was just a great sign to hear that Hasbro has it. I forgot that Hasbro actually even had the Dungeons & Dragons property. So it's very interesting to see that Hasbro is now becoming the premier toy maker with all the stuff that's going on that they now own or have purchased or developed under their own auspices. So I remember when Hasbro was the little small kid on the block when it came to what was going on, and Mattel was the big boy, but that's a different story altogether. So it's great to see what's going on with Dungeons and & Dragons and Stranger Things. Do you have any pop culture mashups you'd like to see at some point in time? So I don't really play enough board games. 
Is there something you'd like to see in a form of a video game that hasn't been done or any type of pop culture mashup? So I would like a, I know they did Numenera not too long ago, but I would like a version of Dungeons and Dragons that you can actually play with friends over Xbox Live. That would be cool to me. I know one of the first times my wife and I and a couple other friends got to actually do a four player co-op hack and slash Dungeons and Dragons game. No, it didn't re recreate the role-playing aspects of it, but it was sure a fun hack and slash. I think it was from the PlayStation 2 era, if I'm not mistaken. Or even like a like a cell phone version of it. Like that would be cool to me. But as far as like 90s stuff goes, like I, I there's not really a lot of mashups that I, I would want to see as much as I would want to see a lot of stuff from my childhood come back. And then maybe we can see what they can be mashed up with. Like I love what the guys the brothers that made stranger things i love what they're doing with the series because they have rekindled that interest in and in, it's not because they're not just cashing in on nostalgia they're bringing about an interest in life in years that people weren't alive for and i think that's a whole other trick in itself but i mean just like the reoccurrence of arcades and and uh you know those those old action figures dungeons and dragons like I, that's the i just want to see some of that culture come back you know, it's not so much I have mashups in mind, but I just want to see some of that culture come back. But what do you have on your mind right now? I'd love to see Mass Effect and Dragon Age come alive with their own type of D&D RPG style set. I know there was some fan-made stuff that was out there, but and never anything official when it comes to a starter kit that delves into the Mass Effect or I believe also the Dragon Age type of realm and i think with mass effect i know if it's done correctly in the video game format i think that whole aspect of what could have been done before and what was approached before because there were some great novels there was some great music there was a lot of great things going on with the mass effect realm at its peak and i could see something expanded onto that with a board game or an rpg like game with mass effect that's done officially and also dragon age as well what are your thoughts out there on what we've talked about so far? Let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanity Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, coming up next, we've got our good friends, Tony Monroy and his dad, Jamie Monroy, our great friends on Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You got to check them out today. They're coming up next, right after the break, talking about what's going on with the video game scene the new Xbox and what they think is going on along the way, and then also what's going on in the Battle Royale genre. Their thoughts coming up right after the break. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. We are back once again with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here. Well, I finally, after a long time coming, I, I tell you what, it's great to have these guys on the show. I've been pestering them nonstop, including one of my dearest friends and one of my longtime comrades out there when it comes to Game Source. You got to check out what they're doing when it comes to Game Source right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel, also Pop Culture Cosmos. And they have their own Twitch channels as well. 
You also got to catch all their social media because they keep you up to date what's going on with everything in the video gaming world. Plus, they also give me a hand in running GameSource on Facebook to give you the latest and greatest in gaming news. They are Stereo Monroy in the house. It is my longtime friend, Degenerate08, or as he goes by Degenerate2018 on Twitch, Jamie Monroy, and also his awesome son, Mr. Tony Monroy as well. Guys, great to have you on the show. It's good to be here. It's just like old times. Just like old times, indeed. Just so privileged to have you both on the show here today. But we're here to talk video games. And I'll start with you, my friend. I want to hear your thoughts, Jamie, on what's going on with a possible new Xbox on the way, because even more rumors are abound that a new Xbox, which is to no surprise, we've actually talked about it several times on the show, but it may be coming along with the new Halo Infinite, which a lot of people had actually thought it was going to be coming to the Xbox One. I mean, it's Halo, it's their stable, so I think that's a good move for them. If they're going to move forward with that and push that as a launch... It was huge for them back in the day. Why not let history repeat itself? You're right. It is history repeating itself. It's it's obviously one of their best success stories. It came out right out of the gate with the original Xbox and Halo coming right with each other. Although, unfortunately, they were not able to keep up that momentum with anything else when it comes to the Xbox. But Halo really set the bar for them as a... I don't want to say a killer app because it really didn't vault them over the PlayStation 2 or whatever Nintendo was doing at that point in time. But still, it made them credible right off the get-go with an outstanding game. And obviously, we ha- there's an affinity for Halo that, that really is there. To this day, Halo Infinite, which eventually will come out, looks like from all rumors may actually be, the the again, the get-go as far as the original launch game for the next evolution of Xbox Tony, your thoughts on the Halo series where it stands now. Is Halo Infinite something that will get you excited to get back into Xbox and actually get you excited enough to buy a new version of the Xbox console? I might need money to buy a console first, but... um... (laughs) Talk to Dan. (laughs) Um... Uh, You guys are getting a little distorted. What was that? Let me repeat myself. Talk to dad. Talk to dad. You know, they do it in my house. That seems like talk to dad. Talk to dad. Um, Sounds about right. So with it being not new consoles that are coming out, I think it is it is good to have that big face that they have for the, uh, for the company. Halo being, like my dad said, one of the biggest, if not the face of what Xbox games have been. So I, I think it will get people excited. I think Halo has lost its touch over the last couple iterations of it. So hope it can it can make its comeback with this, especially being on these new consoles, because gaming consoles are only going to get better and more innovative. So I think it's good to to showcase such a iconic game on something that's coming out. Now, one of the most interesting things as far as news stories for the Xbox actually has come out in the past couple of weeks. And Jamie, I know you caught wind of this. In fact, I think you were the first one to spread the news on it for our GameSource Facebook page. And that was the inference that Xbox and Nintendo are having a love fest to the point where we might be seeing Xbox Live in some form on the Nintendo Switch or a version of that on the Nintendo Switch per se. Your thoughts on actually seeing this develop and what that means long term for possibly the latest Xbox that will hopefully will come out 
Most likely not this year, but sometime, I'm assuming, in 2020. I don't know. I mean, do you think this is more of a biggest slap in the face to, haha, Sony, look, we're playing nice with others where you guys just tend not to? I think this is a role reversal, so to speak, from the time that we saw originally when the Xbox One was introduced and it was going to be always online and a lot of other things that as far as sharing, you couldn't share titles and whatnot. And then PlayStation, right there at E3, they went ahead and they did their famous Kaz sharing the to Jack Trenton, sharing the disc and whatnot, showing that you could actually game share. And that, to me, was one of the key moments in the history of the PlayStation 4 and one of the, I guess, the catapulting reasons as far as initially how the PlayStation 4 became so successful. Obviously, they had to do other things to maintain that popularity to be where they were at as far as selling close to 100 million. In fact, they're probably around, if not over 100 million at this point in time as far as sales are concerned. But I think that initially helped them get off on a good note Because as you know, first impressions are everything. And if that's the case, this could be a big first impression for Xbox. That's true. That's true. It also could be a sign that Nintendo's online service is possibly failing on its own. Maybe it needs a little little help. Well, you know me. I've, I've over the years, even off, you know, off the record and as far as on air, I have expressed my doubts and concerns about Nintendo actually having any interest real interest in an online medium only lately in the within the past year have i really seen some type of improvement incremental as it may be but improvement in that area when it comes to providing a online service your thoughts tony on this major step between the two as far as xbox and nintendo what does that do to you as far as if xbox live does come to a nintendo platform Let's not forget that Bowser is going to be in control. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Yes. The new CEO for, uh, I guess the new president, I'm sorry, of the American operations for Nintendo. I think his name is Doug Bowser. and that is Doug Bowser, yeah. yeah. So your thoughts on this new love fest and what we'll do for the, the actual Nintendo Switch and its gamers? So... I think in terms of like the the community when they see it I think they they see it more as like oh Xbox is crossing over into Nintendo and personally I don't I don't think that's the case I think it might be more on the lines of maybe Microsoft is taking Xbox Live as like actual like core services to Nintendo because like ever, like looking back at Nintendo and it's never been someone a company that's good on um keeping up with updates every two seconds or um, having these online services. So I think it's good that they they might need this help from someone who's been doing it for years. That's a very astute point. I I appreciate you you talking about that venture point. And for Sony, hopefully this will get them as far as excited enough to go ahead and start thinking, hey, we need to start thinking as far as along the lines of what gamers are wanting. Gamers are becoming more and more attracted to this idea of, Xbox now wanting to be a part of Nintendo's scheme. Can we go ahead and create our own type of great ideals that's, hey, our platform is great, but we will also go ahead and embrace other platforms. Something that a lot of gamers have been asking for as far as you you being able to play online with your friends no matter what the platform, whether it be PC or any other console, and Mm -hmm. that that cross-platform is something I think that's eluded 
a lot of people as far as what they wanted to see. I know Fortnite has really pushed for it. Apex Legends now is something that I know a lot of people are pushing for as well. Speaking of which, Apex Legends has taken the gaming world by storm, garnering what about 25, 30 million players over the course of its short period in lifespan, which is not even a month old as of this point. Over a million in less than 24 hours. Yeah, absolutely. The numbers are there. I mean, we've reported them here on the shows and whatnot. But yes, closing in on 30 million, taking a small bite out of the leader is right now at Fortnite. Although Fortnite is quick to tell you, no, that's not the case. Your thoughts right now on where Apex Legends is. I know they're doing some updates and some things that they're throwing into the game to make it more exciting. But your thoughts on what Apex Legends is doing right now to get people interested in a different form of the battle royale genre. So I, I think that it's 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 a good fresh new face. It's kind of like I guess you would say like PUBG that aspect, and then like Overwatch just like mashed into this this great creation. And I think like th- they kept it silent until literally days until release. And I think that was amazing of them because it was so unexpected that. Like you said, it caught everyone in the gaming community by storm. And I, I think it's really cool. And it's been doing so well. And I've played it myself quite a bit. And I I enjoy it more than I have with any of the other Battle Royale games. I haven't played things like Realm Royale. But throughout the other ones that are, you know, concreted themselves for this genre, I think it does well. And I think it's here to stay for a while. And I think over time, they'll, they'll get better at, at bringing new things because... I'd eventually like to see a new uh, a new map or a new like reiteration of a map. And I know a lot of people say they want the Titans in there, but I think we could go without them. I think this is good on its own, but I'd like to see new characters, new skins, additions, things like that, as everyone comes to expect from a game like this. Now, Jamie, you've been a big proponent of Fortnite. Every time I talk to you lately, I've either seen, heard from you, or seen you wear a lot of stuff when it comes to Fortnite. So I know how big a fan you are of the game. I know what it does as far as an entertainment value, but I also seen your streams, which you can find him at Degenerate2018 on Twitch. Now, I want to know your thoughts on what this will do as far as people jumping ship from Fortnite to Apex Legends. Have you made the jump, or is it still something appealing to you to stay within the Fortnite realm? I actually have made the jump. I actually went to Realm Royale for a little while. Then I did jump on Apex. I've been kind of bouncing back and forth between some things right now. To say Fortnite is going to be, oh my gosh, that's my go-to, I can't say that right now. It did kind of steal me away to the point to where... You know, maybe I'll jump on Fortnite, but only if it's absolutely necessary. And the only reason I'm jumping on there right now is, to be honest, the free battle pass for the challenges. Because who doesn't like the word free? <laughs> who doesn't like the word free? I love the word free and, and, and you know, any way I can get it or any way it can be sliced up for me. But yes, it is still something that I know the battle pass being free or being made free and available from Fortnite obviously is a counter move to what is being offered right now with Apex Legends since it is the flavor of the month when it comes to the Battle Royale genre. It is very interesting to see how this is being played out. Plus also, what does this do for the momentum of PUBG? Originally the leader in the Battle Royale genre, then essentially getting drubbed by Fortnite, but then finding its own niche and finding its own growing player base to the point where just before Apex Legends 
came about, it was a very, very solid number two. So, Tony, your thoughts on if PUBG can get back into the game as far as providing that that constant flow of great things coming to it? Because, like I said, it was it was quickly becoming the very, very competent number two challenger to Fortnite. So, I think PUBG is is mostly a staple that's probably going to stick within like the PC community because of how rocky the the console ports were of the game so i think it's always going to have its place in the pc community because with PUBG, when you jump in there i think it's still more immersive than any of the battle royales i've played it puts you into that scope you and you're i think you're more drawn to surviving a lot longer than on apex if you jump into because of the smaller map size if you jump into a certain area it's it's battle it's you know you're punching people from the very beginning or even with fortnite you know, which originally you were able to have that sort of cartoony PUBG action. It's all just about getting the most kills or who can get into firefights more. And I think PUBG has a very good mix of the two, especially with all its different map variations. I think they've done well, but I I don't know if it's going to stay that way, unfortunately, but I think it'll still always have its place. Once again, I'm talking to Tony Monroy and Jamie Monroy. You got to check out all the stuff that they're doing on Twitch. And also you catch Tony Monroy today on his Twitter. Just follow him because he's got a lot of things to say about not only his streaming, but the video game industry as a whole. You got to check out what he's doing at at WWX Echo. Plus also my good friend, Jamie Monroy, you get to check out all the stuff that he's doing on Twitch at Degenerate 2018. They keep in tune with what's going on. You check out both their streams. You not be shortchanged at all because they've got a lot of great stuff going on when it comes to video game streaming, a lot of great game playing indeed. Guys, before we head on out, I want to ask you your thoughts on what you guys are up to when it comes to game source, because I know you guys restarted and rebirthed a new concept when it comes to the Game Source podcast, which you can find right now on Anchor and also on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel. But what are your thoughts out there on what's going on with Game Source and what do you see for Game Source going forward? Well, I know initially I see more streaming, definitely. We want to get those streams out there for you, everybody. You know, yeah. Tony works hard. I, I get in there when I can. We went down to the HyperX Arena the other day. Definitely want to get some stuff going on there as well. Um, that's in the works. Yep. Um, also, I guess, what is that big thing? Something in June. God, I just can't remember what the heck it is. Something in Los Angeles, I believe? I believe so, yeah. There's something down there, too. Uh, yes, yeah. I believe it is coverage from E3. <laughs> I've asked both of you and also the guys at Humanica Media i.e. Josh and Chad from Hyperschmidt to also check out what's going on at E3. So I'm hopeful that you guys will be able to all go to E3 and, and be able to check out what's going on there. But I'm hopeful that the Game Source podcast, you'll be able to do a few of those in the future and a whole lot more. I look forward to a lot of great stuff from you guys. But any last thoughts on the way out when it comes to everything that you guys are doing in regards to the video game scene? I just just look forward to a lot of uh, a lot of stuff coming from us. I've been trying to work really hard during the days figuring out things to do when it comes to streaming, when it comes to having more ideas for podcasts, what we're going to discuss and things like that. Always he's looking out for merchandiser. He's selling a shirt, just letting you know. Yeah, yeah. His, his um, Twitch page, he's got that merchandise button, nice shirt. <laughs> I'll show it off next time. Yeah, it's been doing good. I've met a lot of really cool people that I'd like to get in business with over the next few months going into E3 and stuff like that. 
we do have a lot of ideas in the pipeline and I can't wait to get them out and share with the uh, game source and pop culture cosmos community as well as my own community over on my Twitch channel. It's going to be great for all of us. And if everybody wants to check out all the great stuff that you're doing on your Twitch channel, what is that Twitch channel name again? My Twitch channel name is Dark Tales with two Zs. You can find it at twitch.tv slash darktales with two Zs. That's right. That's Dark Tales with two Zs right there for you on Twitch. And his old man, although he's not even half as old as I am, but we won't go there. It is all you all heard that. Yes, yes. And <laughs> I unfortunately freely admit it now. I wasn't admitting it before if you can find our old Game Source podcast, but this is yeah, true. I was I was constantly ribbed on it anyways. But it was by a small <laughs> river called Denial. Yeah, exactly, exactly. When we started out, everybody was ribbing me as being the old man. And I'm actually even the older man. So what does that make me? So I don't know. The wise man. Actually probably makes me see now, but we won't go there. Senility is wisdom, apparently. Exactly, exactly. So I'll tell you what, my friend, you're also doing some great stuff. What is coming on the way or some final words from you before we head on out? As far as the big podcast coming from GameStars, we are going to work on doing at least one to two a month. I'll admit that at the gate. I know back by popular demand, Game Source Plus One. That would be awesome to get that back and rolling again. I know a lot of people loved it while we were there. In fact, during the course of the time that we were doing YourGameSource.com and also Game Source, it was actually one of our most popular, if not our most popular outlet for just learning more about pop culture and gaming, the Game Source Plus One. So I know Josh wants to do something similar for pop culture. So that would be a great uh, intermix indeed. Guys, it's just been great having you on. Finally, finally got you on. Exactly. We've we've done stuff together. We've done charity events together. We've done a lot of Mm -hmm. stuff together outside, but I've been trying to get you back on the air. It's just so great to do so. You guys have got to come on more often and be a regular part of this show. I I just really just need to know the video game updates that you guys constantly provide and your thoughts on the video game industry. Just truly appreciate having you part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. It's the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need a listing of where we're at, because we're being played all around the world, seven days a week on truly awesome radio stations, check our listing out today at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's right there for you, easy to read. And if you have any questions, you can also email us, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. It also has just some of our many different podcast options as well. My friend, you've got a great thing going on with Humanica Media. So share the goods. What's going on with Humanica Media? Topicocalypse just put out a review of Alita Battle Angel. So you can check that out now. The cast is about 45 minutes, but it, it the first 10 minutes has some ranting in it. So just uh, be prepared for that or you can fast forward. But yeah, we, we go in depth. We give our thoughts on the film, uh, what we thought of the acting and the performances, the story where we'd like to see the next one go if it makes the money. And it, it was actually a pretty decent conversation for us, which is weird. So 
check that out now on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, all the usual places. That is Topicocalypse. You got to check it out today on, like you said, all those different great podcast options. My friend, before we head on out, I told you I had something to rant about when it comes to the movie industry. And that is the recent knowledge that's come about with Chris Hemsworth ready to take on the role of Hulk Hogan in an upcoming biopic that's going to be filmed. Before I go ahead and say what I need to say on this, let me hear your thoughts, man, or excuse me, let me hear your thoughts, brother, on what's going on with the Hulk Hogan biopic. Do you think this is a good idea? And what areas of his life do you really want to know more about? You know, I feel like this movie is going to make Chris Hemsworth a laughing stock. Well, you know, I've, we've always discussed how he doesn't seem to go ahead and find those good roles or prosperous roles outside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It, it does look like it's going to be another one of those options. Yeah, I, it's, it is a movie that nobody wants to see. You know, it's going to be one of those things. I, I think they're they're seeing all these biopics come out and they're hoping that maybe this one will catch fire like the rest of them. But it's it's just not a movie I, I think people are interested in seeing. There's enough of his life out there on the Internet that there's not any need to rehash it, you know, in a movie. We've seen the what's that VH1 show where the with Hulk Hogan and his wife. We've seen all that. We've read about him in the papers. We've followed him through WWF, seen all the behind the scene documentaries. And there's just no reason to make this movie. And also, you know, we were discussing this before the show. A lot of people it's going to it's going to appeal to people you know, in their, in their forties, you know, and, and maybe beyond that, because for me, like I just, you know, I'm 30 and I, I started watching wrestling after Hulk Hogan was famous. My only memories of a kid of, of Hulk Hogan is that three ninjas movie where he was three ninjas high noon at mega mountain. That's my only memory of Hulk Hogan as, as a kid. And so like, I, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh dude that movie does not the the three ninjas franchise does not hold up by the way but i just don't care i don't want to see it i don't care about it and i am curious why chris Hem it seems like this type of movie is slumming it for chris hemsworth to me first of all can he recreate the voice because hulk hogan has Obviously, his hopped up brother while he does his interviews and all oh, the Hulkamaniacs and all la 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 when he's talking about that. But then he has he has this low voice brother when he's talking about in his normal backstage voice. He has this lower octave that's completely different than his amped up Hulk Hogan to the tenth power type voice. Can he do the dichotomy of those two different type of voices behind Terry Belia, aka Hulk Hogan? So that's the first thing I have in mind. Second thing is, when you're talking about a biopic, biopics usually cover individuals with, that have severe high and lows. Some of it's imposed, some of it's not. Some of it's tragedy that was put in there and, and made tragic due to certain events and not always self-imposed. When it comes to Hulk Hogan, his highs and his lows were self-imposed. His tragedies were never something that came out of left field or something that really, to me, seemed like something that he didn't impose on himself. The George Zahorian trial, when it dealt with steroids, the admissions that he had to make during that course of time, during those court proceedings, he had gotten a successful rebirth with the NWO, but his his fall from grace, 
you know, his his subsequent divorce from his wife after their reality show, which uh, I don't know what you want to say about the reality show. I just, to me, it wasn't uh, worth watching. But unfortunately, to a lot of people, it was for a little while. And the things that he did to create controversy and all the shameful things that he said afterwards in the latter years of his life, the sex tape and the whole nine yards when it comes to what he was doing with the latter stages of his life, these were all things that were self-imposed. His successes, a lot of it was him. And that's some of the best success stories that you have in pro wrestling is when someone takes a character and brings it to himself and makes it so much a part of them that they're able to go ahead and, and transfer that image out to a wider and general audience than anything else ever seen before in the industry. So he gets a lot of props for that, but he also gets a lot of uh, a lot of shame for what he did as far as the, some of the things he said and some of the things he did. Because doing steroids was something that even though that was the lifestyle back then and, and the drugs and all that, that's something that he ultimately decided upon doing himself. And the stuff that he said in his later years that caused a lot of shame to him and that caused the actual WWF to disassociate themselves from him for many, many years. His story to me is not interesting enough behind the scenes to go ahead and warrant a type of movie that I think is going to encapture correctly. I think there's going to be a lot of Hollywood liberties that I'm not going to be happy with. I wasn't a big Hulk Hogan fan at all. In the early stages of Hulkamania, I was those people that loved the industry from another standpoint, a technical standpoint, or an image standpoint that I could not really stand Hulkamania and its cartoonish type of references and style of wrestling that I just really opposed of. And I knew eventually a movie was going to be made, but I just don't think it's going to be one that I really think needs to be told. And I couldn't agree with you more on that. It's not something that I'm going to watch personally, so I don't really have a stake in it. Unfortunately, I will probably have to watch it just because of the fact that pro wrestling has been a great portion of my life from my early years as a kid. So I probably will have to watch it, possibly suffer through it. And that leads to, like you said, a bigger question on what's going on when it comes to Chris Hemsworth and why he cannot connect with an audience outside of the role of Thor but that, again, is another issue entirely for another day. You know what? We'll probably bring that up when Men in Black International comes around and see how that goes from there. What are your thoughts out there on the Hulk Hogan biopic? And what wrestler biopic would you like to see? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, Humanica Media, Game Source, and Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Rock would be a great one. Obviously, he at one time... He had the great of football success. His success initially was not there when it comes to the professional wrestling scene. His would be a great biopic. Mick Foley would be a great biopic. But we want to hear your thoughts as well. What would be a great pro wrestler biopic? My friend, it's been a great episode. I just want to go ahead and thank one last time our good friends at GameSource, Tony Monroy and Jamie Monroy, for appearing on the show and talking about the video game industry. Your thoughts on the way out as we head into another great week of pop culture, my friend? I started watching Dragon Ball Super Brawly uh, last night, and it's it's pretty good, man. But that's a conversation I would like to have further on down the line because uh, a lot of people are catching a lot of themes in it that I had never even stopped to think about just over the whole course of you know what Dragon Ball Z is. So I, I would love to talk about that sometime. Could that actually be the best video game movie of all time? 
it is because it actually has like so there brawly has has never been canon before they they completely rewrote the dragon ball timeline to fit him into it and it's very good it's not over the top there's not a lot of like tropey anime stuff and it still has its funny moments you know like the typical mr satan stuff but like it's it is it's a genuinely good movie like it's i i'm i am surprised at how much i am enjoying it maybe if you're up to it we'll go ahead and check in this week with thoughts on amazon's future and how they want to match up to netflix we'll go ahead and maybe put that on a pcc extra coming up this week and some other great things as well so for josh peterson this is gerald glassford it's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Why should I listen to the Nerd Bliss Podcast? Because we go there. Where? Everywhere. Human sexuality. They don't care what's in your pants, they love you anyway. Time travelers. The problem is time will f*** back with you. Politics and fandom. What Star Wars has been prior to Disney. It is a white male-driven universe. Find us at nerdblisspodcast.com. And on social media at nerdblisspod. Part of this complete breakfast and the ESO Network. The, the Nerd Bliss Podcast. Listen! You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.